Sometimes you just can't even. Everything is a challenge. It's hard. You you just can't get through the day. You get out of bed at 1 p.m. only because you absolutely have to. And then you look over the closet, but it's too far. You just, you can't even. And so you throw your hands up and you throw on yesterday's dirty clothes. You walk out of the room and you see all of the mail piled up by the door, but you don't bother to open it. You get to the fridge and you notice that some of the food's gone bad, but the garbage is all the way over there. Why bother? And finally, you sit down on the couch and what do you do? For 40 minutes, you scroll through what's on TV. You go through the list of shows on Netflix before you turn it off because you just can't decide. Everything is too much. In a word, you're apathetic. Sometimes all of our life can feel like too much effort. Like it's just not worth it. It's not worth bothering. It's just too much to care about anything. But more often than not, it happens in just a few places. Things slip as we take on 40,000 different things each week that we put on our agenda and on our schedule. And all of a sudden at work, you're getting a little frustrated because you're not getting ahead like you thought you would. Or your boss doesn't treat you like you expected, and so you just start putting in minimal effort. Or your kids start talking back, and instead of getting angry or frustrated and yelling at them, or seeking to to change their behavior, you give up on discipline and do the minimum required. See, it's an apathetic life, but being apathetic is a pathetic way to be. See, after all, the definition of apathy is a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Colloquially speaking, it's meh, indifference. I, I just do not care. And it's easy to fall in to this pattern of behavior. Our world is all about that. Why bother? It's not worth the effort. Just ignore it. So we give credence to this kind of mentality and attitude. We say live and let live. Uh, If it's not hurting anyone, then it's okay. So we go through our daily lives and we just think it's just too much to care. It's too hard to put in the honest effort. Uh, I'll, I'll just do whatever I need to to get through this moment. And we shrug our shoulders in apathy, in indifference. But last week, in the lesson immediately before today's lesson in, in Romans, Paul tells us that we aren't to give in to the patterns of this world. We're not to be conformed to the apathetic attitude around us. But our hearts and minds, our lives are to be transformed by the grace of Jesus. We're to live a different kind of life, to become radically different people. See, we're to have a makeover, not, not externally, but internally. We don't put on yesterday's clothes. We don't return back to the apathy of yesterday or to the sins that so easily entangle us. Instead, when we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we clothe ourselves in Christ's righteousness. We put on a new identity. We've been given a new identity. We're transformed. Everything has changed. See, the Christian life isn't simply about avoiding the bad things. 
as if we just need to wash our dirty laundry or get rid of, of the clothes, the shirts that have holes and, and tears in them that have been held on to for 15 years. I'll admit I have a couple of those in my own closet. It's not just about getting rid of the bad, although Paul does say in today's lesson that we are to abhor evil. We ought to disdain it and be appalled by it. We shouldn't want to touch it, smell it, see it, look at it. Essentially, it's just like a high schooler's dirty gym clothes. No one wants to be near those. No one wants to see them or have to deal with that. We want to be as far away from it as possible. But more than that, Paul tells us that we are to cling to the good. And the word Paul uses in Greek literally means to bind yourself to, to wrap yourself up in it. You should be so wrapped up, tangled up in the good that you do that it becomes indistinguishable from who you are. See, when we put on Christ's righteousness, when we put on that good, it becomes our identity. It becomes what people see when they look at you. As they see your good actions and hopefully they, they glorify your Father in heaven. You've become a new person. You've been transformed. See, when we put on the righteousness of Christ, we begin to live a spirit-filled life of action in love. So we, we don't live a life of selective or reactionary love that only loves based on, on what we might get in return or how people might act in response to our love. So the world's filled with that kind of love. And they might not say it, but you see it. I'll love you if I get what I want. I'll love you if you please me. I'll love you if things go my way. I'll love you if you make the grade, if you reach the standard, if you do enough for me. I'll love you based on what I get in return. That's not the kind of love Paul is talking about in today's gospel lesson. Or not in gospel lesson, in the epistle lesson. See, Paul is talking about a proactive love. A love that serves others before it knows what it's going to get in return. A love that was first displayed, first seen fully in Christ, laying down his life for us. See, proactive love doesn't wait to see what we get in response, doesn't wait to see what others will do. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. See, reactionary love or selective love, even evil people and sinners do that if they get treated well in return. If they get treated well, they'll love you back. Jesus calls us, calls you and me as God's people, as those who claim his name to something greater, to a love that pours out regardless of what comes our way, good or bad, regardless of who's in front of us. We're called to love them, whether friend or foe. We're called to live out a life of love. See, in today's epistle, Paul's description of love doesn't once talk about feelings. Every description that Paul uses is all about concrete ways we can live out this love in action. Things that you do. And it doesn't cover every circumstance, but Paul is telling us that, that love has flesh on. Love acts. Love doesn't wait. Love isn't a feeling. Love continues to press forward and show the kind of love in action that God has displayed for us. Because when you've experienced the love of Christ, God's radical life-transforming love that has been poured out on you and me, how can we do anything less than continue to shower that love out on others around us in our actions?
How can we do anything different? See, it's easy for us to understand this message. That's the difficulty. The difficulty of this passage is, is putting it into practice. If you read the rest of Romans, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Love your enemies. Seek their good. Pray for those who are hurting. We understand it. But it's awfully hard to put it into practice. See, how, how do we act as those, as those people who abhor evil, who don't shrug our shoulders in apathy and indifference toward the world? How do we instead put on that new clothing of life in Christ? Well, it's simple, and it starts there. It starts with Christ. In this passage, in Romans, this passage today comes from Romans chapter 12. And that is the first time in the entire book of Romans that Paul has used the noun love to describe anything other than the love of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for you. And in this passage, Paul, is, Paul uses the verb to love. And he's used it before this for, to speak of God's love poured out for you. Only one time proceeding to this has it been spoken of, of anything other than God's loving actions. See, why does that matter? Because that transformation, that new life being clothed in Christ's righteousness starts with God's love and God's grace poured out on us. It starts from God and it flows out of us from there. Church father, uh, Origen, I think says it best. This is what he wrote. It happens that we hate things we ought not to, just as we love things we ought not to. We are ordered to love our brothers and not to hate them. If you think someone is ungodly, remember that Christ died for the ungodly. And if you think that because your brother is a sinner, you do not have to love him, remember that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Love is not passive. It does not sit idly by. Paraphrasing what Paul says, love honors others above yourselves. Love is joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Love shares with those in need. Love practices hospitality. Love blesses those who persecute you. Love rejoices with those who rejoice and mourns with those who mourn. Love is not proud, but is willing to associate with people of low position. Love does not repay evil for evil. Instead, just as Christ forgave us and prayed for us on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them, we pray for others, including our enemies. We are careful not simply to avoid doing what is wrong, but we are active in doing what is right. As far as it depends on us, we are to live at peace with everyone. We do not take revenge, but on the contrary, when we see opportunity, we help our enemy by meeting their needs. Love does not overcome by evil or by apathy, but we are to overcome evil with good. In continual acts of love toward others, regardless of what comes our way, just as Christ died for us while we were enemies and hostile to God, we as God's people continue to share God's relentless love toward others by clinging to and doing what is good and right in concrete actions. God shows us what love looks like. Love does not sit by passively. It's not an apathetic shrug of the shoulders, a meh, whatever. It doesn't wait to see how others will act or what kind of response we might get. Love is proactive. And God's proactive love in Christ is why we are here. 
Love in us begins by putting on the love of Christ and then recklessly pouring out that love on others, on those who feel unlovable and worthless. See, we shower grace on those who know they have fallen short and remind them of what God has done for them and for you and me already. God loves the unlovable. He makes us lovely. He loved those who were his enemies, you and me. The reason we can love with a fearlessness is because we know we have God's unfailing love in Christ. Described in passages like the end of Romans chapter 8, which says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when we have that kind of love, we've been transformed. We can share that love in concrete actions towards all who are around us. In Jesus' name, amen.